Hi FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. Just imagine that you took Jewish history and blended it with a little bit of ancient Greece. Added a dash of Pythonesque and a sense of Groundhog Day. Added some strong themes and some uh, contemporary criticism. And drove it all forward with a feisty, fabulous feminist female uh, lead character then you will start to get a little bit of an idea about what is the rolling ride that you're going to be exposed to if you read The Gospel According to Wonder B. Lazarus, the debut novel of Lynn Joffe, who is a storyteller in general and uh, a recent writer, as I said, is a debut novel. Uh, and we have her on the show today. Lynn, welcome to the New Blue Review. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you, Benji. And that was the most fabulous summary I've ever heard of the book. I can go now. <laughs> Uh, I'm so glad I was scared I was going to get it wrong, and then it's not not great if you start off an interview <laughs> and, and get the book wrong. Um, so then you have written this uh, book, but uh, but actually this is the one genre that maybe you haven't told a story in because you are a veteran, lifelong storyteller in basically every other medium. Uh, so talk to us a little bit about that. How How is it that you came to be a storyteller in general, and what kind of stories have you told before this one? Gosh, um, okay. In in a nutshell, I come from a family um, of speakers, I suppose, which, um, you know, around the supper table, my grandparents were hilarious. Um, I think it's very much a Jewish way to kind of um, self-ironize through humor. So everything that's ever been presented to me has been in a story form. I have the genetics for it. I also have a very musical um, gene pool. And I think that it took me, it took me to be mature to get to the novel form. I've always written in little short stories and advertising copy, which I, which has been my living. But it was time, um, it, I mean, if you don't mind my saying, so after, after my menopause, if you like, in other words, as I came into my post-maturity, I found it was easier to sit down, well, not easier, it was imperative that I was able to sit down at a desk and and bleed over my typewriter, if you want to call it that, because um, I, I it was it was time, Bench. It, 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 it everything led to this in a way, but I couldn't really have done this earlier in my life. So so let's talk about that because you know I remember someone saying that one of the most dangerous files on any person's computer is this one that's called novel dot uh, you know doc x right, uh, <laughs> and and it consumes people's time and it never ever. Uh, it got gets going or, or, or gets sorted, uh, but you actually you actually quite followed almost quite a formal process in the way that you created the novel. So, so talk to us about that. Okay, so um, I'd always had a little bit of a chip on my shoulder, having not graduated beyond a BA when when I was very young and very early married. And then life got in the way for about 35 years. Um, and in fact, I, I went with my sister to a UCT summer school lecture and found out that there is such a thing as a Master of Arts in Creative Writing. And just something went bingo in my mind. I needed the structure and discipline. I needed the uh, the group criticism, if you like. And so I registered for a Master of Arts at Wits. And the novel actually was um, part of the, the part of the actual degree was to write a work of creative fiction or nonfiction. So I I spent two and a half years at Wits creating the the uh, the piece, if you like. It wasn't quite a novel. It was more a picaresque, which is a, a pre-novel form. In fact, used by ancestors who were conversos in the Sp in the era of the Great Golden Age of Spain, which I didn't know until I started writing. And then after the MA, where I, you know, did well and all of that, um, through a series of wonderful synchronicities, um, came to Alison Lowry, the editor, 
who helped me to develop the novel. I, th- I think a lot of people feel, you know, the first draft, that's what I've done and, and that's good enough. And I've learned so much, almost, it's almost as if I did a doctorate on top of my master's by turning the master's into a public, publishable novel. And it took another two years. And then of course, COVID ate all our brains which gave me time to to kind of um, cogitate and marinate. And a lot of people leave their works of art, if you like, in, a, in an abandoned file or in a desk drawer. Um, there was a time where I, you know, I couldn't look at it. I couldn't read it again. I just couldn't. But um, in a way that the, the, the plus side of COVID was giving me the time because people weren't publishing into a void, you know, in the beginning. And so in a sense, it's a five-year process. I've worked on this book for longer than I was in high school. <laughs> yeah, I can I can imagine there there was a serious amount of of engagement with the with the work when it has to happen like that. We're talking to Lynn Joffe today, the debut novelist of the Gospel According to Wonder B. Lazarus. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we'll be exploring some of the characters and the plots associated with the book. This is the New Blue Review with Benji Shulman. You're back with 101.9 High FM. I'm Benji Shulman. This is the New Blue Review. Welcome back to the program. I'm talking today to Lynn Joffe, the author of the Gospel, according to Wonder B. Lazarus, her debut novel. Uh, now, Lynn, talk to us a bit about the book. Um, as, as you heard from my introduction, uh, it's it's not necessarily uh, easily pigeonholed. Uh, so so tell us in your words, what is the book about, and what is what is the main character about? Okay, so Bench, um, the best way to describe it is the premise on which I based everything, which was, what if the wandering Jew was a woman? Um, I think our, our listeners know a little bit about the, you know, the anti-Semitism through the ages that was characterized or symbolized um, by this hook-nosed, smelly um, reject from society who sort of uh, was blamed for the death of Jesus, for eating Christian babies to make matzah. To, you know, it's always kind of fascinated me that um, the Jewish people were uh, slandered throughout history, but the way it was characterized was through this very stinky, revolting-looking male. So, I and and being being a female myself, I mean, anyone can write, you know, from a, a different uh, gender point of view. But I created. She actually, I I wrote her voice first, and then she kind her. Okay, her name is Wanda. She is she, and because she's a wanderer, I mean, it's pun on that, obviously. But um, the Lazarus surname came to me when I realized that if I was going to explore history, what what if? She was accidentally cursed with immortality, which is what the myth is about, that Jesus cursed someone at the cross. And what if it was her? And what if it was by accident? And what if she she died, in a sense, from era to era and returned to a kind of mythological space where the Greek muses um, kind of task her to return over and over again so that she gets to explore um, different epochs and in different epochs, as we all know, if they, the, the Jewish people are all over the world, all throughout history. So she discovers uh, the Jewish people in India, in China, in the Middle Ages, all the way up to the present day. So, um, and it was her voice that carried me. I, I spent the first year at Wits creating the character and almost separating her from me. And, and, and any novel is always about the exploration of a theme through different characters, but because Wanda is the narrator of the story, she is in a sense, uh, sometimes unreliable narrator. Um, it was what she, it, the challenge was to make everything through her eyes. So in a sense, it's, an, it's a fictional autobiography of a, of a character who 
from a little feminist point of view, changes history by by being a female, by being autonomous, um, by by being quite foul-mouthed and quite sexually charged, which, um, you know, as, as a woman, as a Jewish woman, and as a, a woman who came, I came out of um, nothing really because I was I was raised overseas um, with Jewish parents, but then came back to South Africa and realized, you know, I'm a Jew, I'm a woman, I'm a white person even. So, so it is aspects of my own identity fused with, I would say, the universal concept of what anti-Semitism has been through the ages and countering it and exploring it. So I was going to ask, actually, my next question was going to be around that. The, the historical element is, is sort of very clear, and, 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 and I get that. But there is uh, – anyone reading the text will encounter a lot of uh, contemporary issues. Um, as you say, sex runs across as a theme. Music is an important theme, uh, the, the feminist issue. Anyone who's even followed debates in our own community uh, in the last few years will pick up nuances – uh, in, 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 in some of the issues that Wanda has as she wonders about, uh, in, in the, in the text. Was, was that part of what you were trying to achieve, uh, to, to do some sort of social criticism or did it just come out as being issues that you responded to personally over time? Oh, your questions are so deep and beautiful. Um, the answer is that it, it, it <laughs> I don't even know what to say now because that's yes. The answer is yes. Um, with my editor, in fact, um, I wanted to make it, a little bit more, <clears throat> excuse me, contemporary criticism. There's, you know, there's reference to a fire pool at some point and a kanga at some point. So South Africans would, <clears throat> excuse me, understand the, the nuances of it. But again, Bench, to, to, because I did go to university and I had to do a bit of academic, you know, plunge. Um, most satire of society reflects its current state. But because I put her into the past, the same issues occurred in 33 AD as have occurred in 2020 CE. So it's, it's, it's very woven. I mean, people, have said it was intentional, but you can read it as a comedy. You can read it as a diatribe against anti-Semitism. You can read it as a social commentary. You can read it as a myth. So, um, and, and also because, and we, we don't have time to unpack this obviously in this interview, but she has her voice and because she's writing from the present day, in other words, she's re reflecting on her life. There are a lot of Yiddishisms, for example. In 33 AD, obviously, people didn't speak Yiddish in Judea. But because her voice comes from the present day, she's amassed, if you like, her own iconographic um, way of speaking, her own anachronistic way of speaking, that Jewish people will pick up probably uh, more uh, more quickly than, 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 than our non-Jewish this is the new blue review with Benji Schulman. 101.9 IFM. I'm so sorry if uh, you missed us there. We cut off. It's just one of those, uh, one of those days where you, where you have a bad internet day. Or, or maybe, maybe the Joffy set one of the users on our radio station that caused a bit of chaos, which at all surprised me uh, if you were listening and read her book. Um, now, Lynn, I do want to ask you about the sex theme that runs through the, the, the book, because it is very prevalent, and it is kind of part of the character um, uh, as she, she moves through the book. And on the one hand, it, is, it, it sort of reminds me of a, a 1960s, 1970s type of feminism. But on the other hand, there's a sort of a Me Too element to it. Why was it so important to add that into the, the, the narrative? So, um, as I was saying to you, I didn't choose her to be so sexually charged 
as the character evolved, she decided. And it's interesting that you say the 60s, 70s. I think that I do believe that sex is part of a female agency, if you like, or authority over or serenity over herself. And a lot of the sex parts or, or, or sensual or erotic is, is her claiming her space in the world. Um, which is not obviously a very uh, highly orthodox point of view, but that's how how it worked. So um, between her in between her real so her real life, if you want to call it, episodic um, experiences and the and and the if you like the post death scenes in in this kind of middle middle world, she um, is finding herself or identifying herself through her femaleness. Now, I know that that has, and in fact, I had to find out what my feminist positionality was and all of that. But, um, you know, the, the varsity guys were like, no, no, not another sex scene. But it, it's, it's, also, <laughs> it's also satirizing. It's very much satirizing. It's not like there for uh, well, smutty purposes. Um, the the male gaze, for example, which is a big feminist thing of you know that art has always been the male looking at the female. Well, now we have the female gaze, and the female is gazing at different um, aspects of, of 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 the sex sex experience. So I didn't begin. I really didn't begin to to want her to have it but because i gave over to the character to wonder herself who is different from me and obviously it's my um exploration behind it because she didn't hold the pen almost an independent character in herself um when it was when it was necessary (laughs) when it was necessary it happened when it wasn't it didn't so you know it's and and any novel some a cousin of mine in england said to me oh so this is um portnoy's complaint for the me too era um (laughs) Which, which it isn't quite, but, and, and just in terms of Me Too, I started writing this book in 2015, and the Me Too era kind of gathered momentum, and it was interesting because the more of, um, the American president that irritated and really concerned me, not intentional, but if you actually, you know, if you, if you look at, and then Ivanka Trump came in at some point, but n- not about her, just the characterization of what was going on in the world. So I think, I think to an extent, I was influenced by that, and again, it can transcend the Me Too era because it's not it's not a, a, a thumper feminist over the head, you know, crash. In fact, it's actually she finds her in in any religion or culture or, or, or myth. It's the combination of the masculine and feminine. In other words, the the balance between those energies that individuate or make a person individual. Um, so she's very kind to a lot of males. She meets a lot of very young, very young boys and men whom she helps, whom she does not have sex with, just saying. She's, she's definitely, um, you know, edgy in that way, but she's, um, also considerate and, and almost, uh, she's, she's kind and compassionate without meaning to be. So, so it's almost an accidental good deed that she does. I don't want her to have, um, you know, lessons to be, to be learned, but yes, it is a feminist, it, it has a feminist streak. But it's also very funny. That's why it's, it, it has to. If you're not laughing out loud, something's wrong. Now it's interesting. You talk about events in the world not overtaking the production of the novel, but but it's sort of you know, shunting it in one direction or another, or or, or, or helping the flow. Uh, and, and you can't think about an artistic endeavor at the moment without the the, the issue of COVID. I mean, you spoke a little bit about it. Uh, at the beginning, and I imagine that for many people, COVID was was a, a deeply unpleasant experience for 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 their artistic work, depending on what part of the process we were on. But it it sounded to me like 
like maybe a bit of extra virus uh, was was a useful addition for the creation of this particular novel. And also very insightful because it took um, my final, 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 as you know, when you write a book, final, the capital F, three apostrophes, exclamation marks, was ready to go into print, I would say, in around about April, May, June. Um, but because of COVID, and I mean, I, I, we all went into a depression, the acedia, the, 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 you know, we were all swallowed by this. And so I had to let it lie, um, not not tell the truth. I had to I had to kind of just take a step back from it, so that the the um, the luxury, if you like, and I wasn't having a happy time during COVID. I, I assure you, and it was teaching me. I'm not a patient person. I mean, advertising everything gets done, you know, brief to broadcast in two weeks. So learning how to marinate. Um, it was during that time that the Stephen Fry, um, you know, which was an amazing thing. I reached out to Stephen Fry and he endorsed the book. That wouldn't have happened had it not been for COVID, had it not been for the ability to to connect uh, through technology, um, you know, not sort of bang his door down in the middle of the night in Norfolk. So I, I think and, and I mean, it's only after and, and we're still in it. We are still in it. It had to launch during COVID. It had to. It, I don't know what it's done because it is my first novel. I don't know what used to happen. Um, be, before COVID. And then, of course, my husband said, you know, there's nothing about COVID in this book. I said, well, in, and in fact, the book ends in the era of 2020 at the beginning of this year. So it, the, the bright reader will pick up. All of this happened just before the plague. And in fact, my, 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 my next novel, and I'm just giving myself a bit of a break, is going to explore plagues through history. And in fact, there are plague references here because they've always been plagues, always. And, and of course, the Jews were blamed for the plagues as one would be so so covid i think it will i think in in retrospect for everyone something new would have been learned because i'm a very impatient person i'm a very extrovert person and i had to just sit and sit with this book and read it and read it and read it and, and polish it if you like with my polishing period uh talking to lynn joffe today the gospel according to wonder b lazarus is her debut novel and uh, we're gonna take a short break we'll be back just after this IFM 101.9 megahertz of life. Talking today to Lynn Joffe, author of The Gospel According to Wanda B. Lazarus. Now, Lynn, very quickly, I just have to ask about the Stephen Fry thing. Uh, you know, very famous on Twitter in, in Britain, uh, famously atheist as well. Uh, how, how did he find Wanda? I, I introduced him to Wanda. Um, I, uh, he, he, look, so I must preface this by saying the book is released in South Africa at the moment. It's not digitally available because in the, in the, in the, in the world, once it, once the agent has found somebody, um, so I reached out to him privately. Um, he's read the book. He's read the examiner's report. He's quite an academic actually. And I thought that it would tickle his, his fancy in the sense that he is, I'm sorry to out Stephen Fry. A homosexual British Jewish person, um, who, who, and in a sense, you know, I was born in London and raised in London and I've always thought I was, you know, a homosexual trapped in a woman's body kind of thing. So, so there was a lot of uh, channeling. I have queried the whole world in two years. You know, I've written to Jonathan Safran Fuhr's agent almost saying, here I am. And she was, no, you're not. Um, so, you know, I've, I've reached out to a whole lot of people and he has had the grace the menschness, the encouragement to, and, and in fact, I didn't expect an endorsement. I just wanted him to know I existed. And he's kind of become my fairy godfather. Um, 
And it was, uh, you know, they say luck is what? Preparation meets opportunity. Timing meets preparation, something like that. So I just think it was the right time, the right person. And, um, and he's my fairy godfather. I'm very, very blessed, really. My ancestors are laughing. My grandparents would be so proud, even if they didn't know who Stephen Fry was. <laughs> I'd love to know the, the, the sweat equity that actually went into this, right? Because I think part of your persona is not just a, a storyteller. You're a, you're, you're a savvy marketer, right? Uh, mm-hmm. And I think that you can you can pick that up in the way that the book has gotten out uh, and 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 gets to different people on social media, etc. Um, and and I just I'm wondering about the element of it because I often wonder that like, creatives that's not their forte uh, the that that element of things. And I just, so I, I'm interested in, in in how you went about thinking about marketing for 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 a novel because you know books are so not 21st century in some ways. It, yeah, no, that's interesting. Look, there's, there's a, 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 Colleen Hicks, the publisher at Majaji Books has been the, the kind of driving force of it. I, I don't know how to market books. I've never written one. Um, I have a publicist who's, who's Helen, who, um, works closely with Colleen. So I came in to an already established uh, structure, if you like, and then just raised the game a little bit because we've got bookmarks and postcards and, and stuff like that. But, um, I'm using, if you like, so I've been in, I've been in business for a very long time and, and I'm still the mad creative, but I'm the mad creative who does my accounts at the end of the month and knows how much is in the bank. And, uh, uh, you know, friends of mine have often said my, my success, if you like, is the ability to be a mad, crazy creative, but also to hold the core. And I, I thank my grandparents, you know, they had a, they had a men's outfitting store that they never took credit, for, you know, for 40 years. So, so in a way, my, my, my little shopkeeper roots keep me ground. And the the ability to write a book was getting getting over FOMO. I I didn't not didn't go anywhere for five years, but sitting down sitting down and getting the book to its absolute most polished was my job. The rest of that was through to the publisher and the publicist. And very very fortunately, and again, you know, the book is probably quite good. Um, it's on the recommended shelves of exclusive books, which is thanks to my publisher and my publicist. So I think that the traditional route of of doing all of that, that sort of work behind the scenes and then me being quite extrovert and socially media savvy a little bit could, so they, I think it's worked very well between the, the traditional publishing and the, and the, and my contribution. So if people want to get the book, it's a great, like if you're going to be on the beach, assuming that it's open, uh, in, in, in 2020, uh, great holiday. If you want to get over, uh, <laughs> the, the morbidity of 2020, this is a great anecdote. Uh, I found that reading the book. Where can people get it? Uh, and how can they get more info? But, um, exclusive books, um, has it all over the country, as do other good leading bookstores like Love Books and Bridge Books, but exclusive, like I say, punt, punt. It's on the recommended shelves at exclusive, not in the religion section. If you find it in the religion section, please move it. <laughs> um, but exclusive books have been absolutely fantastic um, in terms of picking up on this book. And 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 it, it, if it isn't in stores and you ask for it in stores, please call your exclusive books and ask them where it is because obviously as it, it it's sold out in Rosebank, which is, I mean, I have to say that. Um, but they will be getting more in, you know, the, the, the distributor. Or the, the really unsung heroes in the background who are putting the books in. So exclusive books, love books, bridge books, everywhere in South Africa. Lynn Joffe, it has been a real pleasure having you on the show. Best of luck. Best of luck for the next novel. We're looking forward to it already. And thank you so much for being with us on the New Blue Review.
Benji, you've been an absolute prince and a maestro. And thank you very much for this opportunity. And happy Hanukkah, everyone. Happy Hanukkah, indeed. Lynn Joffe there, author of The Gospel According to Wonder B. Lazarus, her debut novel, well worth reading. Uh, go get it now uh, and uh, get an interesting dose of Jewish history. Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008.